Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Jenna Dillon, executive coach and CEO and founder of Executive Performance Institute for Coaching. Jenna and I had a great conversation today, really diving into why we have a glass ceiling for ourselves when it comes to performance and ultimately how we break free of that to become not only high performers, but epic performers. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Jenna, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I'm excited to talk to you. We were connected by uh, another Jen (laughs) who was on a recording several weeks ago now. Um, And you and I kind of had a just kind of connected as far as with your background and my background and how it all intertwines. So I'm excited to dive into more of what specifically you do. But before we do that, let's just talk about you. Who are you? Who am I? Uh, Do you want a story? Do you want me to tell you what I do for work? What would you like? Any and all that you want to share is fine. (laughs) Any and all. Okay. I'll give you several different lenses of my life. I am a former professional dancer. I am currently a business slash executive coach and CEO founder to a firm, coaching firm. Uh, I also am a twin sister, an older sister, thus a daughter. Um, I'm also a very proud aunt of six total nieces and nephews. <laughs> There's all kinds of hats that I love to wear. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, let's dive in. Um, we'll start with, we may venture back to the performance side of things for you as far as you as a dancer, but I really want to dive into something on the performance side of things that I think it's overlooked a lot. And that being kind of this glass ceiling of performance. Um, I think a lot of us in our heads are like, oh, well, I see this person way up there and there's no way I can compete with them. And we kind of just set ourselves down on this lower pedestal. So I would love to dive into like how we, I guess, first of all, like, why do we even put ourselves in that position of like thinking we're lower than other people? You know, it's so interesting that you mentioned that it's this, uh, reasoning of why we compare and contrast ourselves to other people and to give you very layman's terms, like human terms, rather than like, I'm going to speak science terms to people. (laughs) Um, you know, our, our brain's main purpose is to keep us alive. Right. And so whether we do things consciously or not, um, that's what it's designed to do. And so we will always innately, even unconsciously start comparing ourselves to other people, other situations that people have had, because our brain can always be kind of on alert to go, is something a threat? I'm going to try to protect you. Right. And so, uh, you know, whether that leads into or bleeds into different areas of our life, it'll show up in different ways. Um, but I think really like it comes down to just that, like we don't have to necessarily freak out or have anxiety or have this like frustration with ourselves. If we compare and contrast with each other, we can just tell ourselves simply like, Oh wait, my brain's just doing its main purpose to keep me alive. But if I look at the thing that I'm having all these emotions about, whether it's stress, overwhelm, frustration, guilt, whatever it might be, um, it goes, Oh, well how actual real or how, um, 
purposeful is it to have these feelings around what I'm comparing myself to, right? Is it helping me or is it just because I'm on this alert and my brain's chiming in, right? Yeah. Do we, or do you find that people tend to, you know, kind of like how we do one thing is how we do everything. Is it, do you find that like people tend to do this in all aspects of their life or is it like maybe in business it's one way in sports, it's another That's a great question. And, you know, I I do believe that how someone does one thing can be how they do everything. Um, And I emphasize the word can, uh, because it depends on what exactly are we focusing on, uh, on how they're, how they are doing that thing. What is that thing, (laughs) you know, Um, in terms of, you know, if we're, how we are pursuing, uh, let me actually back up. Uh, One of the things that I often say in my training sessions, whether it's with teams or departments at a company or a whole company staff is the way uh, our most authentic leadership style is reflected in the way that we treat ourselves. Okay. And so if we were to look at how we treat ourselves, we treat ourselves usually very similarly with different roles that we have in play in our life. And we might not even be aware of it or have built like the introspective muscles to be self-aware of it. Um, but often how we treat ourselves as a significant other or how we treat ourselves and the expectations we give when we are in our work mode or how we treat ourselves and the expectations we put on ourselves with friendships, like they can be very similar and thus how we treat ourselves can show up in various behavioral patterns that, that are very similar in the other areas of our life. Awesome. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and it's very, like, I guess I experienced this, you know, exactly what you're saying as far as like our leadership skills are how we treat ourselves and like, just how, like me knowing me, I like, and how I, when I used to be a director and what, how I would like talk with different people and like give like, you know, constructive criticism or whatever. It was very much like how I self-talk. Yeah. <laughs> that's not the best to do with everybody. <laughs> And then you also have people, I mean, that's really great that you realize, have realized that uh, is, but there's also people who, you know, when, when they have a coach of some sort and they're learning how to develop themselves as a leader or, or even not, some people want to be a certain kind of boss or a certain kind of colleague um, that isn't authentic to how they, how they are (laughs) or how they treat themselves, you know? And so in my mind, like being a leader, you don't have to technically have a hierarchy stance and have someone underneath you that you are managing or supervising or anything like that. A leader can be simply any individual because it's how they lead themselves forward. And if we are choosing to look at how we lead ourselves forward and be authentic to that, then it becomes much more easy and natural for us to continue being a leader like that to other people, right? And their leadership development can actually increase at a faster, more fluid and satisfactory pace, right? Yeah, definitely. When, now I'm just really curious, we'll, we'll get back to the glass ceiling part, but <laughs> okay, yeah, great, but getting off subjects. So talk, you said our authentic selves and just kind of thinking about being authentic and inauthentic, like, when you, when someone's dealing with, whether it's a coach that maybe personalities aren't meshing or, you know, 
well, like it's a boss relationship that coach that just personalities aren't, aren't meshing. How, like, how do you stay authentic to yourself, but still maybe, especially from the coach's aspect, switch to like a different communication style or whatever is necessary in order to really give a person the feedback that they need? Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to do my best because there's a few different steps and things to identify before figuring out next steps to communicate and, and do with these couple or more people, right? If there's a communication or, or management or leadership style that's not in sync. Uh, the first one is you want to collect all the data, right? And I say, whether it's in training sessions, whether it's in an individual coaching sessions or group coaching is let's play a game. He or she who outs themselves first wins, right? And so in other words, <laughs> if we can just be really honest and transparent with the coach, with me or whomever on my team, uh, then we can actually collect what I say, all the data, meaning not just facts of an event or a situation that's happened or, or situations that have happened, but how is each person perceiving those events and situations. Like let's get all the data, all the assumptions that have been made, all the ways in which we're, we actually have like ways that they're thinking or judging or the opinions that they have. Let's get all the data and look at it together. And I emphasize together, not just me looking at it, them looking at it, because ultimately what we want to do after we have all that data is also be able to understand and identify how much introspection or self-awareness do does each person have or do they have right another thing is like uh not just how much awareness they have of themselves but how much awareness or knowledge or education do they have in communication right so there's kind of a lot of different puzzle pieces, if you will, which in, in my mind makes it quite fun is, hey, there's all these different puzzle pieces. One is collecting the data. Another one is let's figure out how aware each person is, right? And they might each have their own puzzle piece. Another puzzle piece or pieces <laughs> for each person is how much do they know about uh, communication? How much, and then another puzzle piece or puzzle pieces for each person would be how emotionally intelligent are they? And and I say that without judgment, like just from an observation expertise, you know, with the various uh, areas or, or qualities of emotional intelligence, how are they on each one? Because that actually impacts where I go and what steps I take from there, right? So it could mean, oh, you know what? One person isn't even that aware of how they're coming across <laughs> and or aware of how they're treating themselves or the expectations they're treating themselves, right? Where another person might have several communication, like formal education on leadership and communication with leadership, but they don't realize that they're not actually integrating and implementing what they've learned about it. Right. So there's all, it's like this beautiful. And I, and I genuinely say that, like, it's this beautiful puzzle piece that I'm, that I, with my client or clients are figuring out how, how can we put this together um, and, and work on what the gaps are, whether it's communication, whether it's awareness, whether it's collecting the data and being honest. Some people have a hard time being honest with themselves, right? So, um, and then from there, let's fill in the gaps of where the gaps are to be had to be able to then say, oh, do you realize, this is an example, do you realize how you said that? 
well, let's just say someone's had a really stressful day and you have no idea what's going on behind closed doors at home, but they've had a really stressful day or they're lacking sleep and someone were to hear you say that, how would you take that? Right. It's just start, and you just start to kind of see like, you know, what, where, where are everyone in these puzzle pieces and let's try to integrate them together cohesively. Right. The other piece puzzle piece that I, that I'd love to add and mention is being able to, if the company or team hasn't identified yet, um, to then identify what are the core values that you stand for in your team or organization, and what is that leadership? How would you describe that leadership style that you want everyone to be synergistic to, right? So then we all have direction and are clear of what that is, right? Yeah, that's awesome. It's something like, one, I'm learning a ton from just listening to you, but two, <laughs> can really relate to just reflecting on past conversations or just myself as a coach talking with clients over the years and just kind of like where kind of where I've changed as a coach or where I remember, like, I need to remember to ask these questions going forward. And, um, it's just really, it's really interesting kind of hearing you say that because I'm like, Oh, this all makes sense. So I'm like, it's clicking on why I've had to learn how to ask these questions. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure you've seen this in asking the questions like one, we can't assume we, we, the coach or expert know, right. And just like, if we were to do that, it would actually be scapegoating and we could be assuming what the issue is and then actually miss the mark. And then they're having the same problems over and over again. And they're like, why didn't this work? And so uh, the more that we ask questions, I'm sure you, you might even collect other perspective and data you didn't even realize was a part of this whole system of why the challenge or issue was created to begin with. Right. So, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. So going back to kind of getting back to where we wanted to talk about, not that going off subject was a bad thing by any means, but um, going to back to the glass ceiling aspect of things and just thinking about, um, you know, you, you talked about, why this happens and, and why we put ourselves in these different positions. Mm-hmm. How do we start working on breaking past that then and helping ourselves realize like we can do better at X, Y, and Z things? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to answer your question by, by just zoning out a little bit. And, and what I mean by that is if you or any person hasn't identified what their values are or priorities are in their life, um, the goals or the things that they desire or want to accomplish, um, then they don't have the direction that could help clarify decisions for themselves, both current and future, right? So I say that because if someone wants to be a better performer, if you will, and I, and I, I'm really soft around that word better, <laughs> but it's, but I say that because it's how they perceive it, right? If they think, oh, I, I want to get better at this aspect of myself or in my life, does that connect? And is it aligned to the things that they say they want to accomplish and that they care about? Right. So that's almost like a step one That's why I say it. Let's pull back and like, first get clear on those things, right? The coaching word for that is get clear on your vision, right? (laughs) And then that can be your anchor or your direction to know where you're going. Um, The second thing though is, you know, there's different, um, when we mentioned performance or different levels of performance, 
I want to make sure that in, in this conversation, when I at least have these conversations around performance, that it, it has nothing to do with morality. I know you're not referring to morality, Brienne, but uh, some people often, when we're using words like higher performer or a better performer, we start to create these opinions around or expectations around, oh, better means I'm a better person and I'm good. Uh, and if I'm a low performer, that means I'm bad in this way. When in fact, like it's all actual data. And for anyone, I mean, we logically know, but anyone out there who's like, I want to be a high performer at everything is a uh, perfectionist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I'll just say that. Judge me. <laughs> no, I, I call it a perfectionist. So like, I, I, you know, I get it. And, um, we all logically know there's no such thing as perfect, right? Um, it's, 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 never attainable because the definition of how anyone would define perfectionism or being perfect is ever evolving. Right. Um, and so that's not realistic to, to hit, nor, um, could we possibly be Superman, Superwoman, or, you know, any of those genders you want to give, um, and be great at everything. So to understand everybody or each person or you, we will be high performing in some elements and low performing in others. And that's because either we chose to, or because we just innately didn't care about something and didn't train ourselves or commit to training ourselves or practicing something because it didn't occur to us, or we simply didn't care about it. Right. So I'll give you an example. Uh, like I, I love working and I like being good at what I do. So I'll continue to do like continuing ed. I'll continue to have a coach for myself even so I can practice what I preach. And I, I want to continue honing in my skills as a coach. So I could be, if I look at results, I could be considered a high performing coach, but when I'm in like turbo season and things are really busy, I will be totally transparent as an example to the people I'm working with that like, yep, if I'm a high performer coach in a season, I'm also going to be a low performing, low performing at doing my dishes. <laughs> right. So it's like, we can't, it, for us to put expectations, especially like the more commitments that you have either created or have in your life, um, or the more hats that you play in your life, you know, with different people that you love and care about the, the more, um, we can draw ourselves too thin. Right. So to just have grace and accept, what is it that you want to be high performing in? What is it that you want to just be performing in? What is it that you want to be low performing in? Right. Did I answer your question? Yeah, you did. And, and the, to kind of follow up on that, how, cause I mean, most adults, unless you are a paid professional athlete or have no family or, you know, you just have like this one role in your life, which is very rare as anyone over like the age of 20. Um, <laughs> how do like, we have jobs, we have families, we maybe want to have like be competitive in whatever sport we're in. How do we find that balance of like being able to not necessarily be great at everything, but have time for everything. Mm, that's great. Um, so there, I'm going to answer two sides of that because there's this very, and this is a reflection of even my style as a coach is I can be very objective and I can be very subjective. So I'm going to first give you the objective answer to that. Um, and then I'll give you the subjective. So objectively, when you, when I hear you ask that, I think of like, oh, that's bandwidth. How do we know what our bandwidth is and get clear on what our bandwidth is and maximize it? 
right? And when I say maximize or increase bandwidth, that that is like the working smarter, not harder, not more, not faster. It's working smarter, right? And then a very high level, I'll just speak from a conceptual place, is we, my team and I, or my company, uh, has methodology where we can actually look at and help a, an individual or a team or an organization get clear on what their bandwidth is by looking at their optimization, by looking at their productivity, by looking at their time management, because all three of those things are actually different from each other, even, even though like some people will use them interchangeably. Uh, we define those clearly and get clear on reality of all three of those, right? Then once we get clear on all three of those for, again, an individual, a team, an organization, then we can look at, okay, how do we level these up or how can they practice uh, leveling these up or increasing each of these so that they can maximize their bandwidth. So in the same amount of time, they can accomplish more, like I said earlier, smarter rather than working faster, working harder, or working more. Um, so that's the objective side. Okay. That's like the very, like, you know, intellectual, logical, right. But as humans, uh, we're emotional creatures, right. <laughs> so that's the subjective side. So, and, and Hey, like that's us being perfectly human, right. So how do we manage the emotions around, uh, really figuring out, how do we commit to the things that we care about or how do I like, you know, someone might be even if it's not about things that we desire or passions that we have, it could be around pain points and stressors, you know, like, oh, I don't, I have a hard time saying no to commitments because I'm a people pleaser, right? Like there's all these emotional complexities that actually can also not just influence our decisions, but we can live in our emotions and not know how to manage them, right? Or manage ourselves and our decision-making around them, right? So that's really the subjective side. And that's where we we work with our clients, again, whether they're individuals, teams, or organizations in a number of different settings, uh, depending on what services we're providing them. And we help them either build emotional, their emotional intelligence skills, build their ability to mind their mind, mind their emotions, um, where they can look at what they're feeling, what they're thinking with a magnifying glass, like they're a detective in a great way. Like, what does this mean? Why am I having these emotions? Because emotions or feelings or thoughts, they aren't bad. It's just actually having that kind of, I, uh, what is that expression called? The fly on the wall, right? We can be that fly on the wall while simultaneously identifying what it is we're feeling, we're thinking, we're perceiving. And most species on the planet, if any, can do that except us. And because we have that gift, that's how we can develop the emotional intelligence or the awareness and thus then that ability to manage our emotions so we're not being reactive, right? And and making very irrational or quick decisions, right? But we're we're minding our mind, we're minding our heart or our emotions and making sound decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Let's take a quick break to talk about True Nutrition. True Nutrition is a supplement company. And yes, they do have the prepackaged bulk type performance supplements that a lot of companies have. But what I absolutely love about them are their customized options. 
you can get protein powder with a wide variety of types of protein in it and choose what flavoring you want on it. And along with that, throw in some different boosts to maybe help decrease your inflammation or improve your endurance, improve your recovery, really make it for what you and your body needs. And not only performance, they also have healthy food options as well. You can customize smoothies and oatmeal to really be what you want. So it's a very quick and easy breakfast option or even on the go option. So check out everything that they have at truenutrition.com. And if you use code GYF, you can save 5% on your order. And you can also check out all of my partnerships at getyourfixpt.com partners. And now back to our conversation. Going back a little bit to what you were talking about vision and values, um, definitely understand why that's important to you and figure out, you know, your like, you know, Simon Sinek, start with why, like finding, figuring out your, your why, your vision, your values. Yeah. Um, some people may have this kind of vague idea of like, I, this is kind of what I want to do, but not really sure, not really sure where to go with it. How do we start figuring out and getting more specific with our vision and our values so we can really start setting more like a better path for ourselves? Yeah. You know, um, I get, I get questions like that, um, often when either someone on my team or myself is working with someone who's considering a career transition, like, Hey, I bought all the, I've, I've developed and have all these different skill sets that I've thrived in this area, but either, uh, I'm now wanting to get out of it because I'm burnt out or because it's smarter for my health or whatever it might be. Right. And so how, how do I even know? what that might look like. And so if they haven't considered like, what are the things that I care about? Now that's a very broad kind of brush stroke blanket question. But if we were to get more specific around that, not just what do you care about? What are your values, but what interests you, right? And what do you, what are you motivated by, right? Because if we could actually, and there are different kinds of motivators. Um, and if we could, again, be a detective and look at this like really helpful data, it can be really revealing and informative to someone. It's almost like a, to, for someone to learn that about themselves. It's almost like getting a personality test and knowing how to look at it like data and learn more about yourself um, in a way that perhaps you couldn't have articulated on your own, right? So um, you can look at like, okay, well, what, what am I currently spending my time with? Or you could look at the future. If I had all the time and money in the world, what would I want to be doing with my time, right? You could look at the future. Um, some people will look at the past if they had, if they, if there was a season in their life that they just excelled and loved it and soared, right? Then they could use that as information to go, okay, what did you love about that? Like what, and we could just pick it apart and go, okay, so the things that they care about are X, Y, and Z. Um, oh, and they were motivated by X, Y, and Z. Um, so these are the strong motivators that kind of help them in a healthy way, like get fueled or how they fuel themselves, you know? Um, so, you know, there's, there's various kind of components, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. On that motivation side of things, this is my coach self now curious. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, obviously people are motivated by different things. Um, as far as like some people, you know, everyone has their, their different external or internal motivations, 
from the coaching side, from someone who isn't necessarily motivated by the, um, like that external congratulations, the, like the medals and all that stuff, yeah. how, like, what are some ways to, to kind of keep them going, keep them motivated? Um, if they aren't real great in motivating themselves internally, but also aren't the great, like, don't really need that like external stuff either. Yeah, that's great. Um, in order to speak to that, I'll, I'll share a little bit on what the different motivators are and define them a little bit. Um, because the short answer is, oh, they might not be highly motivated in the way you're talking, but they're likely motivated in other ways, right? We all are motivated by something because we, we make decisions and move ourselves forward. We don't just literally sit at home and do nothing. <laughs> like we, we have to, we have to survive and we have to get up. So even if it's to survive and do like the drink, eat, go to the bathroom, it's motivated by something. Right. And so the kind of motivator uh, to get real, just down to the wire here, <laughs> um, the real is like looking at what are the real motivators for this particular person, or if you're assessing yourself or evaluating for yourself. So, um, to what you were referring to, <clears throat> it could be when someone likes a reward, it could be a couple of different things. So one motivator is incentives right? And so some people like that reward-based motivation where they know, oh, if I accomplish this thing, I'll receive this reward, this prize or this bonus or whatever that thing is, right? And some people even set that up for themselves. Um, sometimes people who are who also like getting motivated through incentives also, but they, they can also be exclusive, can get motivated through achievement. An achievement is different because it's around focused on reaching goals or having this feeling and sense of an accomplishment, right? So it's similar, but it's different, right? Which is why I say they can be in conjunction or exclusive, okay? Yeah. Uh, and then we have higher status quo as, as a motivator, right? So these are people who are energized when they connect with like higher power positions, like people in higher power positions than themselves, right? So um I, I like telling my team and even in trainings, I don't enjoy being the best. I like surrounding myself with people who are far better than me in various areas because it excites me and it inspires me. Right. And it gets me to grow in a number of different ways, or even like have partners that like, I'm like, Oh, look at, we're doing as a team together because they're better at this thing than I, you know, like all that. So people can get really excited around. You can hear it in my voice. <laughs> like, <what am> I <laughs> Right. Uh, but they get really excited around high status quo, like being a motivator. Uh, then there's also competence. So competence is its own motivator where those are people who seek to continue to improve their skills or talents. Right. So they love to grow. They love to see progress. They love to help others push forward and become more competent. Even it can show up in that way. So competence is its own motivator. Right. And, and even as you're hearing this or any of the listeners, as you're hearing these different motivators, you can kind of see how the motivators can be connected in different ways, but because it's very, very rare. In fact, I don't even think that it's possible to have one person just have one motivator, right? So just to put that out there. Uh, and, and then there's a couple more that I haven't mentioned yet. So there's another motivator and that's impact. And, and I mean, 
people are like, oh, I get motivated by impact and they logically might know what that means. But just to give you more of a definition is those are people who enjoy like creating massive change, right? So it energizes others to like seek more control or typically through other like positions in employment or organizations. Though I will say with uh, impact, it can be like a slippery slope, if you will, in terms of like the ego taking over and then wanting to have power <laughs> or like a sense of hyper control, right? Versus loving and loving and wanting to create a positive impact and have a ripple effect in like a community or people, right? So that's why I'm like, be wary of that impact motivator. I mean, any of these actually it could be a slippery slope depending on how we use it. But, um, but I do mention that. And then uh, there's another motivator called attitude. And this one can be really kind of foggy to people or, or they have a more difficult time understanding this one. Uh, so the attitude motivator is really around those who intensely desire to change the way that they see the world or how they see themselves in the world, right? So they tend to associate their goals by being self-aware and they get excited at the idea that how they choose to see themselves and the attitude they have um, excites them, right? Or they realize that, oh, if I work on my mindset, for instance, then I can actually see other perspectives that can motivate me in a different way that I didn't have that perspective or see things in that way. And thus it motivates them to move themselves forward. Does that make sense? It does. It's super fascinating. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Make sure that, cause that's the one where people are like, I don't get it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then there's one final motivator um, and that's integrity. And uh, people will often, I find use the word integrity and it means it can mean a lot of different things, right? So for the purposes of being clear around what we say, this, this motivator of integrity means it's becoming or being accountable to something that you care about, that you create motivation uh, that is rooted in sometimes the fear of failure or disappointing others, because there's a sense of accountability to, oh, well, I want to keep my word because I said I was going to do this thing, right? Or it doesn't have to be necessarily rooted in fear. It could be like, oh, like it matters to me that I keep my word with myself and hold that because I care about myself and I want to like be assertive or like, because I love myself, I want to like keep my word and build trust and confidence in myself, right? But it's that um, I say healthy urgency, like there's a healthy amount of stress, um, that we want to keep our integrity, whether to ourselves or to others. So thus we will do X, Y, or Z, right? And so those are the various motivators <laughs> on how we, I know that was probably a lot, but essentially the short answer that I'll come back to saying to you, Brianne, is, uh, if someone isn't motivated by reward, like incentives or achievement, then there likely is another thing that motivates them. Right. And so finding out what your motivators are, there's like a various, um, personality assessments you can take to find that, or you can talk to a coach or, you know, even a mentor can help you decipher that, uh, and just get curious around what out of these motivators really resonates with me, uh, or how does it show up maybe in ways like how I'm using my time that I didn't consider what, it, which of these motivators does that point to by how I use my time and how I enjoy using my time, right? Not necessarily out of obligation, <laughs> though that could be interesting if you're obligated to using your time a certain way, 
because you are, I'm going to make this up, are like a people pleaser, then what does that mean you're motivated by, right? <laughs> like it's all data. It's all, it's all something to get curious about. So, yeah, I had no clue. There were so many different motivators. That's fascinating. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so much to learn. All right. Anything to start kind of closing it out a little bit, anything that we haven't talked about that you feel is really important to bring up when it comes to all this? Yeah. You know, like I, I really love the, um, the title for your podcast and looking at like the highly functioning humans of the world. I think of like high performers, right. And, um, high performers, like they like to excel. So achievement, for instance, or competency, or some of these things that are like, Ooh, I'm like a sponge. I just want to keep going and going and going like the, uh, what's that battery buddy called? Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and so, you know, for those people who consider themselves or even recognize high performers, um, you know, there are certain, I'll say, you know, symptoms or breadcrumbs or attributes, qualities, insert any of those words that they tend to encompass. And, and I'd love to share a little bit of what that looks like. Um, I know I mentioned earlier, like perfectionist, right. Um, but I mean, briefly to just kind of note on perfectionism or the perfectionist of the world, um, not all high performers are perfectionist, but most of the time, like 99.9% of the time, most perfectionists are high performers, right? So um, now with kind of this high performer or high performing profile, there, these different kinds of qualities or attributes uh, can show up. And I'll, I'll list a few of them. So you can kind of build your antennas, if you will, whether it's on yourself or like other people, right? Because uh, the thing that I love, the types of people that I love or specialize in working with are the high performers of the world, because we've found a way, my team and I, through working with our clients and building some methodology around it, we've found a way to help them break through their own glass ceiling and, and be able to increase their bandwidth, not just with what I've shared with you, but, um, but be able to accomplish more. Um, and so I'll talk about that. So, uh, some of the attributes and being a high performer, you don't have to have all of these. (laughs) You can just have some of these, uh, is what, what pace does a high performer usually like to go at, go at? I'm going to go with fast. You like going fast. Exactly. So uh, they think fast, they process fast, or they move fast, right? So if there's professional athletes, they know how to hold, like build their body and train their body to where if needed, they could go at a really fast pace and have a lot of endurance or stamina, et cetera, right? But it, it doesn't mean that they have to be a professional athlete physically. It could also be like really intellectual, uh, like strategy executives or uh, CPAs or, you know, where they're, it's all intellectual and they could be processing at a very quick pace, but they love going fast. It is their specialty. It is what's familiar and what's comfortable. They love living in a fast paced world. Right. Uh, and in another quality about high performers is how they set expectations on themselves. So, um, knowing that I'm sure you've coached with people that are high performers, Brianne, what do you notice about the expectations that high performers put on themselves? Very high. Yes. Very high. In fact, they tend to set the highest expectations on themselves, right? They're their quote unquote, worst critic, if you will. And, uh, and most of that is rooted in being really around fear, 
uh, like they're, they have a fear of failure or uh, they, they can't fail, right? So, so one of these attributes that high performers can have is how they see success and failure around their expectations that they put on themselves, right? So it's almost as if that fear is on one end of a spectrum and success is on the other end of the spectrum. And they're saying, oh, I have to get as far over here to success as possible because being remotely close to failure is unacceptable. I don't have that track record. It is not okay for me to be over there. So I'm just going to get over here to success and stay the F away from failure. I'm allergic to it. Right. <laughs> like, so that's like how they see it. And, and okay. So that's like another little quality. Okay. <laughs> or component. Um, and, and the r- reason why they're like running away from failure is because there's this fear or there's this stress or anxiety or overwhelm or guilt or shame that they have of what it would mean if they even went close to failure. And so they're rooted in all these different emotions that I mentioned that are actually all rooted in fear. And so in coaching, uh, we say, you know, we don't look at fear as bad. Like we're not moralizing anyone. We just look at it as data and go, oh, fear can actually be very leveraging, but if there's something more powerful and resourceful than fear, wouldn't we want that, right? Because what happens when someone continues to push themselves, and I I emphasize the word push on purpose, uh, forward through anxiety or fear or, or guilt or shame at this fast pace? Like what happens to someone's energy level? It's the first one that comes to mind for me is they break down. Yeah, they can like, absolutely. They can break down. They can have burnout. They'll be exhausted, right? Um, and that drains someone's energies, right? But if we could find something different than fear that actually fueled somebody's energy, then wouldn't that be better, right? Um, one more thing that, and that's where we created this other like profile of how to break through high performers glass ceilings that they unintentionally, we would imagine, create for themselves, right? And so uh, the other thing that I'll mention is like what the mindset can reflect in high performers is they, they tend to look at this question or a question like this, that's, am I the best, right? (laughs) They love, and they love looking at data to prove that based on results, they are, right? Uh, And so it's like, oh, there's proof in the pudding, right? Uh, and by the way, they they get fed by fueling themselves because they feel the need to prove themselves either to others or especially to themselves that see, I am good enough and thus, or perhaps it's never ending if you're a perfectionist and always constantly feeling the need to prove to yourself or others, right? And that can be draining. So, uh, so they tend to ask themselves questions like that, like, am I the best? <laughs> if not, why not? I want to be the best, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. But when we start to look at like, how do we break out of feeling those negative emotions rooted in fear, looking at how we view success and failure, that can be very different. Right. And so, um, th- what, what's above being a high performer? Well, that would be reinventing and recreating or redefining what's possible doing things no one has ever done before. Um, which, for us as a coach, maximizing your bandwidth, that's where that's exciting. Right. And so for us, it's like, how can we work with our clients to end up creating J curve kind of results in their life that a year from now they can give us a call or be on a zoom meeting with tears of joy in their eyes saying, I can't believe that a year ago, if someone would have said these things would be happening, I would have said, you're crazy. That's impossible, right? That's like the sweet spot of when we've known, oh, 
they have really started to develop themselves and transform. So that profile is where we call epic performers. And so uh, those attributes, when we look at pace earlier, we said high performers love to go fast. Epic performers, it's nonlinear. They love fast and slow. <laughs> they know they actually enjoy slow because they know two things that can motivate them to slow down. One, slowing down can help them speed up and go faster than they've ever gone before. Ooh, right? And, 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 and. And this is super important because what I just said there can perpetuate that exhaustion in a high performer. Okay. <laughs> so the other reason why they like going slow is because it's really nice to slow down. It's enjoyable. It's just enjoyable and it's wonderful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that's enough. <laughs> okay. Like, oh, there's more richness here. I don't have blind spots because I'm slowing down to really look at all of it or whatever the case may be. Um, okay. So pace. When you look at success and failure, how they look at success and failure, it's also like looking at how they treat themselves with it, right? So they don't value success more than failure where failure is bad and they got to get away from it, right? They value both equally. Why? Because they realize in order to get to success faster, it's through failure. Mm -hmm. Anytime. And, and I know you're nodding your head. You're like, yep. Oh yeah. Because what, what do we see as failure, right? Well, the crux of failure, it's not what we see as failure. It's what we make up about ourselves if we fail, right? And so failure is just a thing. But how we perceive that thing being a mistake or not hitting a goal, we can, we can easily jump to a conclusion of what that means about who we are and our character, right? And two very different things. Um, but as you know, we can learn so much every time that we make a mistake so that we don't make that same mistake in the future. So those epic performers see, oh, it's time to get curious. And so they're curious, they're eager, they're in awe, they wonder, right? Think of like, I, I always like giving children metaphors. So, cause they're so curious about the world. And that's when they, that's when humans learn at such a faster pace is the more curious they are, right? And so, uh, you know, rather than having this fuel of being motivated through fear, they're motivated through love because they're feeling passion. They're feeling desire. They're feeling this eagerness, this awe sense, right? This wonder. Um, and they're, so they can be very self-forgiving and self-compassionate as well um, because of when they're making a mistake, they can have that grace with themselves, right? So it's a very different way that they treat themselves and set expectations. And though they they are very curious about what they're going to continue to accomplish, they also have the ability to look at reality of what they've accomplished and be proud and acknowledge themselves for it. Right. Um, and I know some people will use the word proud in like this arrogant way. And that's not at all what I'm saying. Cause I think arrogance is looking at inflated reality, <laughs> but, but being proud can be looking at reality and acknowledging yourself for it and loving on yourself for it. Like patting yourself on the back. Like that's very healthy and encouraging and motivating, right? And goes in line with some of those motivators that I mentioned. So they, um, though they're very proud, they're also very curious. So the question that they tend to ask themselves is uh, not a yes or no answer, like, am I the best? But they live in the question because they know the answer can continue to evolve with this open-ended question. And that's what am I capable of? 
right? So it's a very different generative, creative, curious mindset that can actually help those high performers break through and live their life a little bit differently um, with hopefully more satisfaction, vitality, less ego and uh, ease, quite frankly. Awesome. And I'm glad you broke that down or kind of went further into that epic performer. Cause as you were talking about high performers, I was like, but where's that person who learns from their mistakes? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. obviously we don't like to like have failure or mis- whatever necessarily, but like, where's that person that learns from the mistakes, like and to get better. So yeah. I'm glad well, you clarified all that. Absolutely. Well, and, and just to the point that we were saying earlier, how, you know, there's no such thing as perfect. So if we acknowledge that and accept that, then that also means, you know what? Failure is going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's inevitable because perfect does not exist. So let's just like expect, Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna make a mistake somewhere along the way. Cause we, if we're doing something new, we don't know how to do it. So pff, let's just get messy and do our best and learn from it. Right. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, let's start or to close it out, Jenna, if someone wants to reach out to you, has more questions for you, where can they find you? Oh, wonderful. Um, so, uh, my email is one way and that's Jenna at jennadillon.com. My company's name is executive performance Institute for coaching. Uh, the acronym is Epic and we have a Facebook page. We have a Instagram page. You can find us on LinkedIn as well. Um, I also have my own Instagram, uh, handle that's Jake Kim Dillon, as well as a, a LinkedIn profile as well, Jenna Dillon. <laughs> uh, so all the various ways and platforms we are on there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jenna. You shared some great information. It was exciting to have you on. Good. It was so fun to have this conversation with you. And I'm glad that uh, you were resonating with it and were able to learn some things too. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Highly Functional and had some great takeaways from it. If you'd like to discover more about the foot and ankle, you can check out runwithhappyfeet.com or check out my full website at getyourfixpt.com. And until next time, go out and be highly functional.